Everybody, welcome. My name is Atrac, and we have. My name is Armand Van Helden. That's right. Together we are Duck Sauce. We got a fun little show for you guys today. Thanks for tuning in. First and foremost, we're going to get into the important stuff: cooking. Right. So, without further ado, for no reason at all, we're going to tell each other about something that we cooked. Right. Now you do a little, little intro here. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we got a little that, thing. We need that. that little box thing that you hit. <laughs> oh. <little> thing. <laughs> What's that? Fool's gold. Put, 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 put the sauce on it. So yeah, we've been locked in at home. 2020 is uh, different from many other years. I've never cooked this much in my life. I never knew I could cook. I feel like I've always been afraid to cook. But I've been here at the crib, and actually, Armand, I wanted to tell you about. I've been using my grill. That's a whole. You, you're whole turning into realm. a grill master. Yes. I'm turning into a grill master, and I'm discovering, you know, what works on it. I'm already at the point where I've bought accessories for the grill. Like I have like a little um, oil uh, surfaces that I put on the grill if I'm doing mm -hmm. seafood. So, mm -hmm. but actually, what I wanted to tell you about today was the um, I got a skirt steak thing that I've been doing on the grill that right. has been pretty nice. So this skirt steak that I order, it comes as like. It's, it almost looks like a like a tongue, I want to say. Like it's one long thing. You know how they, it comes on a little styrofoam thing and it's like wrapped, you know. And so, so when I when I, when I open up the, the packaging, I just kind of like it's one long tongue vibe <laughs> and I cut it up in a couple things. Yo, using this, grill, using this grill is so easy. I barely have to do anything. And one of my cheats that I discovered, apparently a lot of people know about this. I'm from Montreal. There's a thing called Montreal Steak Spice. Apparently the whole world knows about this. I'm mm. late to the party. I've I only learned about it. It's been, you know, it's been a big hit for a couple of years, I guess. You can even put it, I put it on salmon last night. You can put it on okay. fish, you can put it on steak. So my little skirt steak that I get from Gelson's out here, I put Montreal Steak Spice on it. It's super thin. So the one thing that I had to learn is that really doesn't take a lot of time to cook. No, but, to low, cook. But, but, but keep the fire low. Yeah, I mean, keep the fire. I mean, I don't even really know what I'm doing. I just know that this <laughs> thing works. Where like, I put the fire maybe at like medium. I'll do yeah. like, and so you know how there's like, the, obviously the main level of the grill, but then there's like a, a top level too. On the, on the main grill, I'll do three minutes on one side, flip it over another three minutes, move it up to the second floor of the grill. And I leave it on there for maybe like one more minute, just for like a little bit more, uh, a little bit more cooking. And that's it, like six or seven minutes with the Montreal steak spice. That's this is my recipe. Like I'm done. That's it. And it's that's like one of the best things I've I've, wow. I've been making during quarantine. That's, that's awesome. It. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> what you got? So I've been doing actually this for for a number of years, probably for the past eight years or so. Again, me and you are very similar in our cooking styles. We we kind of like throw shit down quick and mm. want fast results and we're cooking but we're we want it to be delicious and and mm. be almost gourmet but we don't want to actually put in all the effort you know what i'm saying <laughs> right yeah. so 
I was taught by various people, uh, P-Thug included. By the way, P-Thug is, mm. is a Italian aficionado. Uh, P-Thug from Chromeo, he would destroy Incredible. Italian. Incredible. Incredible. He actually sat with me in my place in New York and showed me how to make a red sauce from scratch. I'll never forget it. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so that was something. My thing is this, with Italian food, it's about the quality of the ingredients. It's, one of, yes. it's probably actually the top. I do buy high-end pasta. Pasta yep. that you would get in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> in yeah. New York. There's a place down here in Miami, it's called um, Fresh Market, and they actually sell some the, the higher, you know, straight from Italy and port type pastas where the, when you look at the noodles, they almost look like they have baby powder on them. That, you know, I make sure I get the high-end pasta, and then number one is the high-end olive oil. Like, actually, yeah. the number one thing is the olive oil is the key. Good olive oil, good pasta, and then lastly, here's the, this, this is the weird one. All these companies make bottled bread sauce, right? But okay. there is one bottle red sauce company that is actually really good, which is it's okay. called Rouse. And Rouse is that like Italian chain, like that's in yeah. Vegas, like and in like various places. It's basically like this. I don't even do anything. What I do is I get the water going. So I just literally just get the water going. Then as long as you have the expensive olive oil, the expensive pasta, mm. I do the rouse at the very end. The thing with the, the red sauces, you know, let's just say I'll use the whole thing and just I just dump it in a saucepan. Mm. You do it at the very end when the pastas are done or just about to be done because you just mm. want to heat because the, the sauce is already cooked. So you don't want to cook it and simmer it more because then it takes all the flavor out. So you just right. literally want to heat it up. You just want to get it like, yes. I'll just put it on almost like eight or 10 just to get it hot for a second. And then I just shut it down. You got the boiled pasta, you strained it. I actually put the boiled pasta back in the bowl that it was boiled in, kind of, it's a hood thing. Yeah. And then I just pour, I take the saucepan, put the, the rouse, and I just drop it on top. And I might have a bit of the little balls, the mozzarella balls like that. Yeah, they yeah. come in like a little pint-sized plastic container and like yeah. those, and I'll, I'll throw mm -hmm. those in. They melt kind of as you're doing this. Hefty on the expensive olive oil red pepper and i literally just stir i get a big spoon i just tilt it to the side and i just stir the whole thing <laughs> all together just like this like just stirring it in that the same pot i, I boiled the noodles in dump it onto a plate and, it, and it's actually it's pretty good it tastes right <laughs> it works so all right <laughs> yeah i love it now we're going to move on to a track and i's horoscopes Atrek is a wonderful and beautiful fiery Aries. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Aries is the start of the zodiac for a reason. I'm not even reading this, but I can tell you offhand that Aries, they are catalysts to action. Atrek put the fire underneath me, and that's why we're a duo, because I'll, I'll be too la lackadaisical on Atrek. I'll be like, yo, let's do this, let's do that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do that, you know? So <laughs> Aries are known for that. Aries make things happen. If you're able to be in the uh, company of an Aries, you're in good company. So, anyway, it can be difficult to really express yourself. So hard to fully live within all the limits the world has set up for you. In a truly free world, you could be fiery, brave, unstoppable. But in the world as it actually exists, it's so hard to use the gifts you've been given. This week, you might feel hopelessly frustrated by this reality, but it isn't a week to concede defeat or shrink yourself in the hopes that doing so will make living easier. Instead, it's a week to get louder and bolder, a week to recommit to real freedom. <laughs> Good week for you, man. Thank you. Hopefully I get, the, hopefully I get a positive one. <laughs> Let's see what we got for you here. So my, uh, my duck mate, Armand is an Aquarius. We are a wonderful, compatible match, ducks. Let's see what uh, what the stars have for you um, in in the pond. 
This is a week for trying to make some kind of peace with the sense that your life doesn't look the way you thought it would, that the old world has suddenly shifted and that all your plans have been shaken out of alignment. There's sadness yeah. in this, but it's your job to remember that all this change comes with freedom too, with a vast and wild new range of possibilities. It once seemed like the future was already written, but now it's been set free again. There's space to rebel, space to refuse, space to rebuild the universe. That is completely on point. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's been completely on point for the past year or so, but that is completely on point. Very the stars good. have spoken. Yeah, well, you know, yes. exactly. You can yes. shape the world as you see fit. It's time for Duck Talk. We've got my favorite hip hop producer of all time, DJ Premier, the Don, I would say. And mine. <laughs> and yours, right? Like, I would say Preem is the definition of of rugged, hardcore, East Coast hip hop, the most classic shit. He is the um, the author of that sound. Rugged with class. class. <laughs> rugged with class. It's like a classy rugged. So I will say this, in, in Duck Sauce, I think we tend to go for a certain sim simplicity in our production, which is, which is tough. It's hard to find the catchy simple or the original simple. And I think Preem perfected that with hip hop. He was kind of the originator of that. And he's, you know, he's got a signature sound. Good friend of both of ours. He blessed us with some crazy stories. So without further ado, DJ Premier. Just the boys having a chat. That's it. Let's do it. Gifted Pearl. Works of, works of Mark. Both. Yeah. Works both. of Mark. Gifted Pearl yeah. is the publishing. That's the recipe to my mom, Pearl. And uh, and I work with Mark because my last name is Martin. Martin. Uh, and I, I've always been into clever names. And yeah, you know, so works with Mark was perfect. I mean, we can even start this off by saying, I think both Armand and I are, you know, the DJs that read the credits on the records. So when I, you know, when I see you, I think of those names. So, man, thank you for being yeah. on here with us. This is yeah. literally just the three of us having yeah, a conversation. This is, this is a hangout when it, when it comes to hangout. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. a hangout, you know. Yeah. H-Track, you were the baby of the bunch, but yeah. you know, the first time we saw you spin, we're like, this motherfucker is dope! <laughs> you were just doing all the battle stuff and you were so little, and I don't know if you were standing on a box to do something. <laughs> but you were just, you was going off like straight hardcore battle style, and you know, to, we respect that, because I'm not a battle DJ, so <laughs> I think I scratched creatively, but yeah. all the stuff y'all do yeah. and you're jumping on tables and doing stuff with speed. <laughs> and I've seen you do just crazy stuff. Even at your age now, you're yeah. jumping up. You know, we started getting more EDM uh, type of gigs. I'm like, this motherfucker's jumping on top and the crowd's going crazy. You know, like that's still a battle uh, element of battle DJing. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's a performer mentality, I think. Even all the gem thing, it's like, you know, certain DJs, uh, especially in the disco tradition, would be like in the dark corner of the, uh -huh. of the booth. The crowd couldn't see them back in the day. But I like the, I like the style of DJing where it's like, hey, I'm going to give you a show, you know, and yeah. control that energy. Yeah, I used to be a guy for years. Y'all know I'm yeah. not being loud and just boisterous on the mic on stage. And MOP was like, yo, you need to be the hype man for Guru. I know you got Gordon doing it and everything. Mm -hmm. You need to do it because you're a DJ. And he said, you know the, all the rhymes because DJs usually know lines from records. 
which is yeah. which obviously you do because you you battle with the line you cut. Yeah. Back in the back in the day, so you want those? Yeah, I'll take take your yeah, something something something. Destroy you, you know. Destroy you, destroy you, destroy you, know. But but that's you knowing rap lyrics. You know, yeah. to know, oh, so-and-so said that line, that's a hard line. I, I'd cut that up and kill another DJ in a battle, you know. So we know a lot of lyrics and stuff, aside from just our skill as DJs, producers, and just even the way how we listen to shit, you know. Yeah. So, so that, that's why that's why I said, let me, uh, uh, we went on tour in 99 on the full clip album to open up for Rage Against the Machine. And when mm. I saw that crowd, we had to change all of our songs around because Nashville <laughs> wasn't working. Right. So, but Brainstorm was working and, and yep. guns. Tons of guns. Hell yeah. yeah. All, you know, just everything that was more dark, they yep. were with it. And then by the fifth show, we were out for a month. It just turned into us just killing it every night. That's when I said, for now, and I'm going to yell and be. It's the way I've always felt, but I was too shy to do it on the mic and on stage. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, damn, Primo, shut up, play the record. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the, 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 fir- the first time I really heard your voice, even on a record, was the uh, was the skate on Moment of Truth. What's the deal with you, break record cats? Because <laughs> oh, I felt, because I, I was bitching about it. And because I was getting sued by so many people, that that uh, guru was like, "Yo, record that." And so I just yeah. did it in one take, and he was like, "Yo, that's it." We you know, it's funny once once I heard your voice on there because I don't think we had met then yet. Right. But once I that showed me what your voice was, and then I would go back and listen to older records, and I remember listening to Superstar Group Home and being that part where you go Superstar, I'd be like. I think that's him too. I was like, I was like, picking Dude, out your voice. The first person to know that, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you're a DJ. <laughs> well, DJ. you know what? I I had an idea actually for the first question I wanted to ask you, and it's kind of in relation to what we're talking about here with with sample clearance and stuff. So, I feel like even though you've been around for years and years, and a lot of your earlier productions might have been loop based, you know, sort of like a uh, step in the arena era was a lot of loops. But mm-hmm. I think nowadays, if you ask most people, what's, what's the typical primo style, it's the sample chops, right? Like right. that. So that's, I feel like you really, you've always been the king of those sample chops. Um, and there's something I always had an impression of, uh, or like an inkling of something that I wanted to verify with you when you started really chopping shit up, like, you know, million and one questions kind of chops and that shit. Was that a way to get around sample clearance or was that both. just creativity or was both. it both? Both. Um, even chopping and stuff <clears throat> from showbiz because he was doing it oh. so early with the way he was chopping, chopping his drums when they dropped that, that um, the uh, EP to, uh, to Soul Clap, the Soul Clap. Yeah. EP. And yep. uh, he had a record on there called Catch and Wreck. And, and uh, the way he had the drums going, boom, boom, cat, boom, cat, boom, cat, boom, cat, boom, and just the way you could tell they were cutting each other off. And I'm like, yo, how do you do that? And yeah. he showed me how. He's like, yo, make the outputs the same. And then, and then when you make the outputs the same, they'll cut each other off based off the pad you hit. I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. It's like you know what you want to interpret, but you, you got to be shown how to do it. He was already doing it. So when I saw him do that, then, like you said, with sample clearance, I, 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 it was like I was already using an MP and an S950, so we were already just limited to 60 seconds, which is not a yeah. lot. 
So you yeah. know it had to be creative with just that little bit anyway. But now to dance around the clearances, I was like, yo, not every record has to be like that, but there's it, nothing wrong with revisiting that style. If you're doing an album, three of them out of 10 songs can have that style. And then yeah. you know, a loop a loop joint, then go go to one where you're playing the actual instruments, you know, with no looping. But <clears throat> that that was one of the things I did to you know, the dance around stuff at that time because I was getting just claims left and right for people that were actually saying that, that that's what it was. And this is before the internet, you know, so. I mean, what you did, the question remains was crazy. That, that was like, I feel like that. Yeah. You know what's crazy about that, about question remains. We went on tour the next day to Europe and we had just shot suckers knee bodyguard video the day before that. Yeah, he's wise to be side, and we, you know, yeah. I, I'm into new wave and punk and all that. And they used to always have unreleased or unavailable on LP on a 12 inch. I'd buy mm. imports and Prince imports, and he'd have another song that's not on the album. And I'm like, yo, we then Public Enemy started doing it, and everybody had B sides. I was like, yo, if I ever get on, I'm, I want to do that and have a record that's not on the album, so people are like, yo. yeah. So that's what Drake was. That was just a un unavailable B side that popped off. And we ended up putting it uh, on hard to earn because they wouldn't put it on daily operation, which we told them, please put it on there because everybody's buying daily operation going, where's Dwick at? It's not on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eastside, you know, yeah. just turned out the pop. You know, we didn't know it was going to be, be that big. We just did it just for the fun and love of it. But that's what I did. Um, I like this, this. I call them, you know, we call them stabs as well. Mm -hmm. but, um that was one of the, the, the things just on the creative side that, that I figured more limits. Okay. More creativity. And, and that's more limiting when you got to avoid the looping version. You know? Well, the thing, the thing that I always thought was incredible with a lot of your sample chops in particular is that not only would you change the melody, but you would change the mood of the track. Cause even with that example, with question remains, if you listen to the sample and then the beat you made out of it, it goes from a, happy like almost elevator music you know slick jazz pop song to the hardest beat and you know i just literally a few months ago i just came across the sample for full clip which uh -huh. I, I don't know if i if i gotta keep my mouth shut on that one or if that's if that's known but you tell me it's so that, okay. if you look it up it's around but okay but, but <laughs> I, 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 like I, like I, I will always it's, say it's on who sampled who. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like I'll, I'll always say, uh, what record is that again? Hmm. You're like, I don't know who, who made that. But yo, on that one again, like one, the fact that the song, the original, is a standards where I heard it and I was like, it's yeah. this record, and it was <laughs> it's it's such a breezy, happy vibe in the original. And then you made it so hard. To me, that's what's really bugged out is how you can change the mood of a joint in the way that you manipulate it. That's all DJ that's, shit to me, man. That, yeah. that, that's my approach. That's DJ shit. Yeah. Every approach, I think, like the DJ thing. Same thing with, with cutting. I'm doing that for the, so the DJ would go, yo, you ain't cut that because when I'd hear Terminator X or, or Jam Master J cut or the, just even the way they would bring it in, it's like, yo, man, Molly scratches and stuff like that. It, it, Mixmaster Ice, UTFO. Yeah, I'm like yo, I want people to, <laughs> I, you know, because I'll imitate that scratch when that part comes on. If it goes, I'll, I'll just sit there and do it to, until I'm to the T exactly like them. So I said, well, let me be a little intricate too, so other DJs will go, yo, I like the way he cuts. You know, I mean, yeah, that's bugged out. One, I don't even know if I ever told you this, but 
when you're talking about the history and shit, for me, just with my sort of age group and where I come into the story, yeah. uh, I got into hip hop in like 93 or so. And 93, 94. <clears throat> and, um, a motherfucker. what's up? Late as a motherfucker. I know, I know. So I had to do my homework. And one of the first albums that I got in 94 was Return of the Boom Bat. Mm. And um, I would listen to Out of Here so much. And the way that KRS talks about old school or, you know, older generation rappers, because he's talking about rappers who fell off, that gave me a history lesson. That told me who to go and listen to. Mm. You know what I mean? So I was listening to KRS's verses and I'd be like, Oh yeah, I've heard, I remember hearing about Public Enemy or I remember hearing about, you know, so-and-so, but whoever he was naming, I'd be like, let me go and do my homework and understand those records better. Right. So for me, it was really like you and Pete Rock, the records that you guys put out around, the, around those years, 93, 94. Like by listening to Pete Rock, he was scratching on Biz Marquis so much that that made me go and listen to Biz Marquis yeah, records. Yeah, yeah. You know, I listened to your He's records. all the good parts. I was like, yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, I remember I, the day that we were with Large Professor and they was talking about doing a remix to Ain't Hard to Tell and being that Biz says I'm highly recognized as the king mm-hmm. of going. He goes, I'm, I want to make it where it goes Nas because he said, if you cut it right at recognize. And I was like, that would be dope. And all of a sudden he did the remix and that popped off. Yeah. Was like like yeah. I was around all that to, to see and still learning from Large. Um, showbiz and I, I feel like we equally came out at the same time. Same, yeah, same but, generation. But he taught me, like I said, he taught me the chopping uh, segment. And yeah. then yeah, um, Pete Rock would show me, yo, let me show you how you filter and beef it up underneath mm. wrecking and, and make it, make it thick. I was like, that's what you're doing. And, you know, once you learn it, <laughs> I'll do it, but we still do it where we're not biting, you know, we, we still sure. value the non-bite aspect of everything to this day. I mean, like somebody might bring something up to me, go, you know, you could program with this or do this. I'm no, 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 that's too much of a bite. Like it'll still affect me to not yeah. want to be in bite, in, in bite territory. That won't work. Oh, one more right. thing that I'm going to back up on, on the question remains, you know, I had a, a sealed copy and then that one, I, when I moved to New York, a lot of my records got damaged in the rain because I didn't have a cover on my truck. Shout out yeah. to Rock, who, uh, who was our dancer, who rode with me the whole way. <clears throat> and uh, I've always had those boxes, still do. And I mm. said, let me go through and see anything salvageable. That one just had all that, that water stain on it. That's why I saw... And then when when I started chopping it, I said it sounds dope with all the the water stains. That, <laughs> but the, I said let me do it with the clean. So I have two versions of it that I have to give you the clean version. Oh it. man, it don't even sound as good. Because- you know what's crazy is I I can hear just as you're talking. Like to me, the the dust on the sample of Question Remains, it's on beat and it's part of what yeah. makes it. Yeah. It's like duka, duka. Yeah, <laughs> when crazy. I did it with the clean version that uh, that was sealed, it didn't even have the same flavor. Looped it exactly the same, and yeah. now you don't hear the boom, boom. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I said, let's let's stick with the the grimy one. That's crazy. That's, that's that night and went on tour for a month. That's crazy. I mean, even um, you know how like the the version of Impeach the President that's on Ultimate Breaks and Beats has mm-hmm. a little crackle on the kick. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And you can always tell when someone sampled Impeach off of the ultimate breaks because it's got the... Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I, I, well, me and Armand were talking a little bit earlier today. Armand, I know you, you, you were talking about Marley Marl samples and shit, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, well, what it was is I was just trying to, you know, I just wanted to kind of get a question on, on your history because I think me and you are somewhat in the same age bracket. So, you know, we grew up with obviously the beginning of rap, you know, from Rapper's Delight on, you name, you know, even the earlier records. But um, what I wanted, because, you know, rap for me for a large part of the early 80s was drum machines, you know what I mean? Drum machines and synthesizers and stuff like that. So yeah. Molly Maul, I feel, was probably one of the first or if not the first to kind of start to incorporate sampling, correct? Yeah, him, Mantronics. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, Mantronics, of course. Yeah. Mantronics yeah. was kind of doing the stabs early, you know, just yeah. the yeah. 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 So who who yeah. were when you when you decided like your very first your you know DJ premiere at the time or whatever the case, what made who inspired you back in those in that era? Because I feel like producers. What's this? Producers. Producers. Yeah. Like like what I'm saying is is I know Molly Maul was a bit before you was that that like your go to guys like whatever he's doing I want to try and he figure was, that out. Yeah, he or, was my go to. It was like I got to figure that out. Okay. Okay. That's, and that's then and then. We were so into Def Jam, just everything that LL was doing and the BC Boys and the way they, yeah, yeah. everything, 808 yeah. always just went to, to, with the pattern. Boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, yeah. boom. Or, 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 or slow and low. Boom, to boom, 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 boom. You know, yeah. but Molly didn't make the music and said, boom. Yeah, yeah. We're like, what the fuck? No, it was yeah. the same for me. When Molly, Why when, when, there? Is it true? I, so I had, I had Why an experience. Why did he put it there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had an experience for me where, where I, when I was growing up with hip hop, um, where like, let's say the paid in full album came out, right? Yeah. Where it was so different in a sense for what else was happening. So you still had at that time, you still had like LL and run, everybody was still yelling and it was all high 808s and drum machines. And it was like, it was just still like electronic hip hop relatively. There was slow ones like Pee Wee Herman and stuff, but relatively it was kind of upbeat and a lot of yelling. And then when Rockem came out, it was that, that paid in full record. Did that, did that change? For me, it felt like, firstly, I didn't like it. Like the first time I heard paid in full, it's like, I was like, Rakim sounds so like, he sounds like he's falling asleep. And then, but, and the drums are like, what is this music? Like, it sounds like old 60s music. I'm like, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I like it because we were kind of so stuck in that one style of rap. Right. But then nah, you, I, yeah. I came around like three months later and I'm like, oh my God, forget everything I said. This is what's at. This is where it's at now, you know? Man, so I don't know. Did that happen college, to you the same way? I was or? in college uh, about to move to New York. So, yeah. My boy worked at the record store and got all the latest 12 inches. And then two of my buddies that that I, I that I actually used to live with when I was shopping my deal, I lived with his family. Shout out to the Franklin family, uh, Gordon and Gary, and uh, recipes to their father Arden, and, and uh, shout out to Marilyn, uh, their, their mom. Um, they 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 let us live with them while I shopped the deal, you know, because my grandfather had passed, so couldn't live there, and they let us stay with them. But all I remember is that year before we left. When we saw that Derek B for president, 12 inch and my melody and plus his brother, Gary had just come to school. So he had just taped the latest Mr. Magic rap attack and uh, red and um, Chuck chill out. So we, we were just like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. never heard anybody rap like that, you know, but like it was all the, the, the punchlines and everything. It's like, you could see everything he was saying. 
So yeah. we heard my melody first, and then we heard president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to yeah. just to just to them good, you know, from the yeah. funky president. Yeah. I was like, no, what the fuck? But yeah, it was the same for me. It was crazy <laughs> for me as well. Yeah. Man, I was just blind and see him all name again. And yeah. shit. We yeah. like, oh man, you bought yeah. anything that had Molly on it, Def Jam, yeah. uh, even hearing Teela Rock for the first time, it's yours. My mm-hmm. oldest Curtis, he's one of my of my OG homies in my hood when I was in Texas. He was the first one really with a booming a truck full of all uh, woofers in the whole back of the truck. So he didn't <laughs> want to put me on to 808 sound. Like he, he'd be like, yo, check out this sound. And he'd crank it up and we would slow and low was the first one we heard the 808 that heavy. Yeah. And when holding now hit it came, yeah. pulled up one day in the hood and say, yo, when this record comes on, get ready to duck. And we're like, yeah. what do you mean? He said, just watch. And then they're holding now, <laughs> hit it. He's yeah. like, get ready. No, you're Leroy. Yo, but then, you know, he already got yeah, yeah, yeah. right about now. Well, I'm a, as soon as it said, chill. <laughs> he ducked down and we're looking like, yo, because the whole truck rattled the whole street. We yeah. were like, yo, we got to find out what that is, what is making that sound. Mm-hmm. And then I heard it was an 808. We yeah. saved our money and got one because we That's were like, right. we got to be able to do something too. Fuck yeah. it. We didn't even care anymore about the rest of the record. It had to have 808. Yeah. For, for, for me. You predominantly use the 808 for just the, for the kick, right? You didn't really yeah. use, I, in your productions, I don't, offhand, I don't remember use, using anything but the kick and almost like as a baseline. Well, on Step in the Arena, I was, I was 808 heavy. Oh, okay. Yeah, the whole yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is, yeah, yeah. It actually would listen to it now. I'm like, damn, I wish I could have scaled back a little bit. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but yeah. back then we just wanted it was about that 808 hitting, man. I wanted to say yeah. like anything Def all Def Jam records had it. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then like I said, when Molly came and and then moved it and didn't do it on every kick, we're like, yo, even on uh Nobody Beats the Biz, just all of it just had a different position and we were like yo this dude's different and then like i said mantronics was one of the first ones i'm hearing just the stabs like on uh cold getting dumb but you know mm-hmm. bam, bam. and then just ice just told me recently that the reason why you know how he goes they couldn't get it to sync right so they would just Mantronics was just stopping it, to, 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 boom. And sometimes he might be a little off, but he was doing it live. That's dope. Yeah, that's like, crazy. Those are stories I love to hear. That's cool. Hell yeah. Well, we got a segue. We should segue here into Todd Terry. So we have a, Woo. we had Todd a bit ago. and Wow, that's like, my dude, man. So Todd told us a story. We just want to, I mean, we're not, this isn't like, I guess, a thing to, you know, we just want to confirm it, I guess. But Todd was telling us early on that he, he was kind of, brought you in to introduce, what, what was the exact thing, Alain? What did he say? Oh, he that he brought you into D&D Studios. Yeah, the D&D, yeah. Showbiz brought me in. Oh, yeah. got it, okay. Yeah, okay. Showbiz nice. brought me in because he was doing a, uh, <clears throat> he was doing a Return of the Funky Man remix for Laura Finesse. He said, come come down here and do a uh, uh, um, the scratches. So that's me scratching on the, re- on the 12-inch version. Okay. I go in and do the session. The show said he can't stay long. So he said, can you get the final mix and just bring it to me later on? Because we used to always either share cars. You have an 850 Beamer. I have them, uh, the new <laughs> five with the, with, with the, with all, every, every foreign car I had always had manual stick, no 
you know, just park reverse. Every car I've had that was foreign was was it's stick uh, manual <laughs> manual shift. You Real know, shit only. Popping yeah. the clutch and yeah, right. Like mid showbiz yeah. can drive, drive. I can <laughs> drive, drive. We're nasty behind the wheel. You know, if, if we're in race mode, if we're chilling, obviously we're good too. But we used to boogie on the highway. You can't catch us. No way. <laughs> You know, it's like an emergency break in the rain, right? Yeah, I, I, we're getaway car guys for real. Yeah, yeah. But that was that was in, and this is now. But, <laughs> but yeah, now I did a session there with Nikki Nicole years ago, who was part of our management team, and I never went back. But and I don't know if I knew Todd back then, but which okay. would have been ninety. But okay. if it's after that, definitely showbiz did the scratches, and then uh. Eddie Sancho was their in-house engineer that you have to pay for the engineer as well, you know, being mm-hmm. an employee. Yeah. I, I get the mix. I, I had an had a, a MPV, uh, the, the 1990 version, because I saw Biz, shot the Biz, get well. Uh, yeah. Biz had one. He was in front of Music Factory. I was like, what is that? He said, this is a Mazda MPV. I'm like, Mazda makes vans. <laughs> I get my budget. I'm buying one of those and maybe Four five months later, I got we got our budget for Stephanie Arena. I bought one immediately off the line <laughs> and then put a booming system in it. And everybody knew me in Brooklyn for having a dope system. Master Ace always talks about it. He even put in his credits for the uh, snigger and all that came out. Yeah. Like sitting Every, on Chrome. That everybody knows my van in New York. If you were around that era, Fat Joe and them will tell you I was the guy. During that time, I popped the cassette in to make sure it sounded good before I give it to show. And I'm like, yo, this shit sounds different. And just the mix was so good. I'm mm-hmm. like, we would just gotten our budget for daily operation, which we were going to do a calliope because we just stepped in the arena there. Okay. And, and, and we did a part of it in Firehouse and such a sound where I started my career in Brooklyn. But the majority of the album was done in calliope. Once I heard how good it was sounding D&D, I'm like, yo, this is where we're doing the album. I remember the owner of Calliope tried to shit on me and put, uh, rub my name because he's like, yo, you were going to work here. But I'm like, yeah, but I can see if I gave him the money up front and now I'm like, give me the money back. We hadn't even started that stage of it. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to choose to go somewhere else, yeah, well, you got an album out of us and you got your money. So what's the big deal? We want to, yeah. we're not going to work here now. So, he, he, you know, so that's how I ended up at, at D&D because just, just that mix. And every, I said, I want that guy all the time in my sessions. And That's then cool. from there, and that was Eddie, Eddie Sancho, right? NPC. Yeah, Eddie Sancho put me on yeah, the NPC. Yeah, cool. He said, yo, you're laying your, your, I had an Alessis at the time, and I was triggering the 950 because King of Chill taught me how to work the, the 950 at his mom's house. I used to go to his mom's house. I did X Girl and Next Girl at King of Chill's house. Shout out to the King of Chill, who's actually yeah. in the other room. <clears throat> um, and, 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 uh, and, and that, that beat had, had the 950 filter, uh, yeah, in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. with that, um, from there I went to D and D and then, uh, recipes to Lyle lead, who was our engineer from Calliope. Cause I said, well, you come because <clears throat> you already have a vibe with us and he would work with us at D and D. And then once Eddie showed me how to work that NPC, I was like, nah, I'm gonna stop using, I'm using NPC now. And I bought <laughs> Eddie's and then from there, eventually <laughs> Eddie, and he left me and I said, well, I still want you to be my engineer for my sessions. Mm-hmm. And that's how we built a bond and, and we started knowing each other's vibe. And mm-hmm. I still lay all my stuff, even when I do vocals in the middle, from starting from track 17. That's because Eddie always starts at track 17 to put a 
and drums and all that to the left, other instruments to the right, but track 17 is the lead vocal or whoever's going first. That's very that's awesome. set my shit up. That's funny. So, Supreme, when, when you started using the MP60, were you still using the S950 too? Like, were you, were you using yeah. both of them together? Yeah, I didn't know how to sample with it. I still don't know how to sample. We just talked about an alchemist. It's it. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I feel, I feel like you told person, me this. Who's yeah. the first person to ever sample with an NPC by itself, the 60? I don't know. He just told me, he told me to find out. He heard as Jermaine Dupree. I'm calling him Dupree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask him, is he the one? So, so when you were using the MPC 60, you were using it as a sequencer, right? You were still sampling I, on the 950. Right. So yeah. that's, I'm, I feel like you told me this a while back and I couldn't believe it because your, your drums, like you're known to having drums that knock so much. And I think everyone assumes that you sample your drums on the MPC. I don't think anybody I'm, knew uh, that you. S- <laughs> so I your know, drums are on the MPC. The one I have now, the, the, the Renaissance. Yeah. Sure, but like all the, the yeah. sort of classic, quote unquote, primo joints, those drums are on the S950. Yeah. And then Eddie, Eddie Sancho does what he does. I just use pads. And the song, you know, and the song. Yeah. yeah, I think even there's so many like. You know how I was even in the 90s when you would, the only information you had would be like a picture in a magazine or some shit. Like people have seen so many yeah. pictures of you over the MPC 60. Everybody assumed that you. how I do it unless you're here. Like if y'all were here, I'll show y'all, but. Yeah. But everyone I, assumed I, that you were sampling on the MPC. I had somebody the other day that said they wanted to do a, like a Zoom and, and, and you would create a beat right down the spot. I said, yeah, I'll do it as long as there's no cameras on. And they were like, well, <laughs> you know what the closest thing to showing me even just messing around a little bit is the, the, uh, the Nike uh, classic video. That yep. we, that's the closest. And because the Brockham is the only one that showed up, that, which is why we're in the video together. Oh shit! You know, in the video, because yeah, Kanye yeah. somewhere else, yeah. Chris somewhere else, and Nas is somewhere else. But me and Rakim were together. Yeah. And even that day, yeah. as the day that I posted it a few weeks back, I sh- it's a picture of me giving Rakim his gangstar plaque because he was on the remix of Militia Part Two. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, and right. uh, Dub C shout the Dub and uh, and and I was like, damn, you know, it's hard to get in touch with Ra. You know, so I was like, yo, he's coming to the video shoot. I can finally give him his plaque. He was the only one that didn't get his and gave him the full clip plaque. That's, that's crazy. What, but that's by the way, when, when you and Rakim did, uh, um, uh, it's been a long time. Uh-huh. I feel like a lot of people sampled that hi-hat. I'm going to say there was an open hi-hat <laughs> that was good from your hat. <laughs> and I think a lot of people sampled specifically that the Havoc hi-hat I took from Havoc. <laughs> Let's talk about. So you know what, Prem? I wanted to ask you this. Oh wow, okay. I wanted to ask you this. Um, so again, I I grew up in the era where DJs and producers were getting the blueprint from you. We're getting you know listening to people like yourself and sort of getting the the codes like the unwritten rules of hip hop just from what you were producing. And you know, I grew up in Montreal, and I remember conversations with other producers in Montreal where for us you weren't like producers weren't sort of allowed to sample drums from like from another hip hop producer. You were supposed like, we thought that you were supposed to go to the original break beat. Right. Right. It would be cheating to grab a havoc. And and then start making your shit. So, and I'm, you know, I was one, you know, how sometimes when you go like Montreal being in Canada, obviously being a little bit further outside of New York, I feel like sometimes when you go to another country, people take the rules almost too seriously. Like you might go to Europe and 
people take the real hip hop shit even further than America. You uh-huh. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if like, even to it, to you in those days, like were you, was there rules like that or were you just kind of grabbing whatever? I think it's, it's like you said, an unwritten one. Yeah. And I purposely, that's one of the reasons why I always wanted to make sure that if you, if you played the vocal version, you couldn't really get much off of it because I didn't want nobody to snatch the open parts. But yeah. shout out to Marco Polo, who's told me <laughs> that he's, he's I used to look for you the parts. Yeah. He all, part. yeah. so, all sampled yeah. your drums. And, and yeah. back then, if, in the early days, you'd be like, no, that's not how you're supposed to do it, but I do it. Look, like I just said, yeah. I think yeah. that I had is just a shorter truncation of Havocs because who didn't take Havocs hi-hat from Shook One's part two? I mean, Havoc always had good hi-hats. I, I feel like when he did Murder Music, his hi-hat game went to a whole other level oh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a great <laughs> album too, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Havoc's just one of my favorites. And I, we were yeah. around each other when I worked on Peer Pressure. We were hanging. <clears throat> That's right. Of course. And yeah. So we were always together a lot. Me, him, and uh, Pete, we'd be up in Long Island and, and uh, at D&D a lot. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I actually wanted to touch on something that you mentioned earlier. So I remember many years ago when Malcolm McLaren passed, mm-hmm. you did a, you had your radio show even back then. Yeah. And you did a whole episode dedicated to Malcolm McLaren and kind of explaining his lineage and what he, you know, his contributions to music. And you were like talking on the mic as you were mixing and telling a lot of stories and explaining the background of like that, that you know that era the early 80s when punk and hip-hop were sort of like colliding and rubbing shoulders and i found it really fascinating to learn about how much uh other genres that you knew about and there's other times i've heard you speak since then where you know you even mentioned earlier that those sort of um new wave 12 inches that had different mixes on them you mentioned that earlier so like you know what can you tell us even just a little bit about like what when you were growing up I think people would assume that you, you know, listen to soul and funk and whatever else, but like, what's the other shit that you're into? Yeah. The soul and funk is in, in any, in any, you know, uh, black households, uh, you know, or Negro household, melanated household, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> There's a lot going around now with everything going on with, with this, this world we're living in, but in our household, it's kind of automatic, you know, like, right. Like uh, I remember a long time ago, uh, I was at, with Alchemist back when he made the meat. We gonna make it beat, and he had asked me. He had asked me, "Was I hip to like Barry White now, Green, all these albums?" Because you know, <laughs> you have the digging aspect where we dig for albums. But yeah. I told him a lot of these albums are just standing in our home. Barry White's gonna be in every uh, every black uh, home. So that's a given. Is yeah, anything true. Motown, yeah. it's just automatic. But yeah, and obviously there's those rare things, but. With rock and all that, I have two older sisters. One of my sisters will put me on to like Carly Simon and and mm-hmm. more the Eagles and all that stuff. She was into that more. But then my other sister was into the you know the real funky stuff like you know the, the, it like different from stuff I grew up. But I always listen to whatever my mother listened to, and because mm-hmm. you know, she's a she's a painter, so everybody mm-hmm. in our name. My, I was just right before this talking to y'all, just on the phone with my my other sister, and she's like, yo. I said, how many paintings do you got of moms? She goes, 10. I'm like, you got 10. I never got mine. She goes, yeah, well, you know, we, we, you know, I got married. I wanted to do this. I wanted 
Yeah. They all got all these paintings, and everybody in the neighborhood knows my mother for being one of the dopest painters out there. She used to always paint and play records, and I, I, she's like, don't you touch the top of the record, hold it from the side. <laughs> if I see one fingerprint, you're getting your ass beat. Like, this is real shit. You know? That's not, yeah. Don't touch. Gotta hold it like yeah. that. <laughs> so, I, 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 you know, so look what we do. <laughs> all that, you know, putting your fingers on it to rub the record. Like, all of that is my upbringing. So, with, and then, you know, I played football in, in my younger years. In junior high, you start hearing rock because now, when you're when you're into sports and stuff with your friends, um, some of the your white friends in school are into mm-hmm. Sticks and Van Halen and, yeah. and ACDC, and I'm like, yo, this shit is dope because you the music was felt. It wasn't like ah, you know, that's a white boy music or none of that shit. None of that even crossed. It's right. that's dope. And we, you know, when you're on teams, basketball, football, whatever, baseball, you you start to have a friendship with with other people that you didn't even grow up with because right. you're because you're your brotherhood. That music right. is now in the in the locker room, and then the, you know we're going to the concert. You want to go? Hell yeah! Go to the concert and see how they play. It's like, damn, Iron Maiden is fucking crazy dope. Yeah, you know, yeah. oh, there goes Eddie the Mummy. He's a mummy. <laughs> you know, Eddie's always. If you know, Iron, if you know Iron Maiden, of course, of course, uh, is that a hand of how many people know Iron Maiden? I, I love Maiden. Trooper uh, Sam was my dream. Right. Yeah, and so. and learning about the story of Eddie. Yeah, you know, you, you got to know the story of Eddie. Yeah, and one day at our show, he he died and came back as a mummy. So the mummy wow. came on stage. You remember Eddie was huge on stage of that monster, yep. uh, the mechanical thing that they had. Yeah. I was just like, yo, this stuff is dope. Then it made me just want. To, then my our quarterback was into Sammy Hagar, and just because mm. Sammy Hagar loved red, he bought a red Camaro, and we'd ride with him to to go to go to school, buy concert tickets, everything, and. He's he's always hold the, the 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 steering wheel and play it like this to where I do it now. Every time I drive, I'm rushed. I'm going because Brody, shout to Brody Hoppers because Brody used to do it all the time. And I come from the the Texas aspect of going to the mall. Like in high school, it's going to the mall. You want to see all the girls. You want to have the fly new shit that you bought. Walking with bags, like I said, popping tags wasn't even a word back then, and. Right. All of that trickled into me too, and then again, my mother liked jazz, so so she put me on the Stanley Turrentine and uh, uh, Charlie Mingus mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. You know, Max Roach on drums. So all of that, so I was like, "Yo, I like everything." You know, I like country music because I'm from a town where country music heavy, and, yeah. and and everybody's not that way. But I think it's very good for you to be versatile with what, what you listen to, that as long as it's felt in your soul. It, it's official. I felt every single thing. What about um any disco or, or let's just say house music? Is there any connection? Do you got do you have because I feel like you when you started late 80s, that's right when hip house was big, right? Yeah. Even yeah. even in New York at the time. Mm-hmm. So do you, you have any what's your history? Do you have any issue with that stuff? I, I didn't learn house until I moved here, but uh shout out okay, to my okay. man Skeet, and he was in a group called Total Science. You remember Total Science? They had a couple of records that they, they were from Brooklyn. Um, they had one song called Total Science and uh, it, it popped off, you know, more locally. This back on the garage was popping and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh, um, it was right around the time, right before like uh, um, Craig Kalman started Big Beat and he had Jamanda and Craze was like the yeah. biggest yeah. record at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. everybody. Would, and hip hop hardcore dudes 
was going to all the house spots and yeah. hip hop and house was in the same clubs. And I know you, that. I was, the hard yeah, rocks I was, I was there for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. you would I definitely. I love that era. I love yeah. that era. Yeah. I used to see, and yeah. you'd always, you'd be at all the, Armin used to be at all the fucking hot spots. You saw me have a scully pulled down, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 but, you, but, but and everybody knew you. You walked in the place, you were saluted by so many people. You know what I'm saying? Hey, well, dog. Well, because I used to go on to party. Well, you know what's funny is, is me and you many times, that's not, your brother said I was going to mention this too, was that many times, many, many times, you're right, me, like we would be in those, those certain loops in New York. And, 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 you know, a lot of, remember the, in, remember industry parties in New York? It was like yes. a thing, like on a Tuesday yeah. night at like nine. Um, <laughs> and we would, we would, for me and Premier, like I wouldn't, I would, me and Premier had met, I believe we had relatively met through Eddie S, through Eddie Sancho. Okay. I think that was our first connection. Um, and then I think you were with Kenny Dope. You were with Kenny Dope a lot too on, right. on certain occasions. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so and Todd too, because um, Todd was and, around. And Todd, yeah, and Todd. Todd too. And so we would get, we would be trying to get into these spots. And I can't tell you how many times. I don't know if you remember this. That we would be the crew that I didn't get in. Like, and so <laughs> me and you would start shopping it up outside. You know, the weather. If it wasn't like a blizzard out, you know what I'm saying. So yeah. we would be, we would be like. You would come up to me. You ain't getting in either. And I'm like, I'm not in, man. He's like, and we would just start talking because we'd be like, you would sometimes you would have to wait it out to get in because you you need to you see somebody. You had to see somebody come out. And you're like, yo, did it? Like, yo, you'd be like that person that came out. You're like, yo, tell this dude, the door guy, that I'm in because yeah, there's, I'm good. there's a yeah. there's a disconnect here. So there's I can't tell, I could honestly I think like at least eight or ten times. Me and Premier would be asked out of the club outside. And me, yeah, and me and him would just be like, but the thing is, I can't believe he wasn't in. I'm literally there like, man, they let you. And I would get like kind of emotional because I would be like, no, nah, I don't even care about me at this point. Yeah, but you're he from the era him. where you yeah. were getting into a lot of hot spots because of just who you were. So, uh, you know what I mean? Little, little, During that time, little, yeah, because yeah, you got to remember yeah. the DJ, like you said, we lived a disco era, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like disco is a big deal for me. I mean, because obviously, even I remember when they did the disco sucks at the at the uh, at the football stadium. Chicago, I was like, yo, I, then, yeah. who cares if y'all don't like it? This is a, a thing for us, and that is yeah. the connection of transitioning into the the boom bap uh, four four. Rhythm of 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 slowing it down into nineties and and different tempos, but again, yeah. the, we shared the same you know apartment quote, quote unquote when it came yeah. to the house the house family and the hardcore hip hop all in the same club and it wasn't like well fuck y'all yeah. and fuck y'all yeah. it was like yo what up man and when the house records yeah, came on the hard motherfuckers was in that too bopping yeah. like yeah. oh this is my joint but mm -hmm. I learned sure. from moving. To New York, uh, I got to get up on the house tour because I used to go to all to all the the uh, the house spots, you know, on the on the uh, weekdays. Wasn't the garage the one that's um in, in Union Square? Oh, no, that was um. Which one was Union Square? Square? Was um crazy and all that stuff. Talking about Union Square Ballroom and downstairs the Union Square Ballroom. Yeah, but like below coffee shop almost. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was a crazy spot. That yeah, crazy that was the spot. Yeah. And I used to go with yeah, Total yeah, yeah. Signs because they knew people. I didn't know the yeah. house and Gangstar. I hadn't, we I hadn't joined Gangstar yet. I was still shopping my deal. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Good old days. Do you remember Ego Trip? Do you remember Ego Trip back then? Of course. The the, the magazine? No, no, the club. Ego Trip. What street was was that? I'm not going to remember the address right now. But yeah, but it was was the era of basically like like when... God, it was like it's a, it was that time in New York when like hot music was was out by Pal Joey, and it right, was just right. like you were getting like. Well, the building was, was popping. Oh, Bass Hit. Did you go to Bass Hit? Absolutely. Bass Hit. And, okay, yeah. And, I and do, obviously, I, the building with my former manager yeah, yeah. was one of the owners. So, yeah. you know, yeah. gangsta used yeah. to we used to go in yeah. there hundred deep and getting free. Yeah, Bass Hit was, 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 was like a perfect club. No, it was what's like what's that? Yeah, that's cool. I'll come in after our month. Oh, okay, no worries. Oh, real quick, I just remember Bay Bay being yeah. like that club. It was like like you like what you just explained. Did you go to Mars? Oh yeah, I went to Mars. I went to yeah, Mars. Uh, and then the yeah. back in district. Yeah, and then they turned yeah. it into the vault or something like that, yep, right? Yep, yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. No. That was a crazy club. Yeah, man. <laughs> Do you remember the doorman at, at Mars? Nah. Awesome. I, I I remember somebody brought it to my time. I totally forgot it was Vin Diesel. <laughs> fuck out of here. You know what? He was around that time though. Yeah. 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 He was yeah. he was yeah. him and yeah. uh yeah. even um uh uh from CNC Music Factory, uh uh oh, Robert Clavillis. No, Fre- Freedom Williams. Oh Freedom, yeah, Freedom. <laughs> Yo, he was really yeah. part of the raw yeah. hardcore shit yeah. back then. He like yeah, he was there. Yeah. Then. Yeah. 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 yeah Vin Diesel definitely was was there. Sure yeah. was. That's yeah. funny. Sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> now, I was going to bring up the the Patrick Moxie connection too because you know I think Armand and I when we when when we started kicking it and eventually formed Duck Sauce like I think a lot of what we have in common is this sort of like hip hop and house you know connection and and um, Prem I remember when I re- like again when I you know when I was growing up I saw you as I thought you were sort of strictly this hip hop dude and then at one point I learned that your ex manager Patrick Moxie who on one hand had Payday Records, was also the man behind Ultra, Ultra and, yeah. and all this house shit. So like, was you just mentioned you guys, you, you used to go to house parties with, to like house clubs with, with Moxie in them? Or what oh, was yeah, like- yeah, heavy. And and uh and then he knew all the the, the spots that you like two eyes and 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 uh yeah yeah what was next to two eyes uh nails 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 yeah these are places another one that is like you can't yeah. getting in there no I know <laughs> but pal, pal Joey's a DJ nails like yeah. it was one of yeah. one of the nights or something and like then that. and then you go right over to two eyes which is right next door and it were two different types of spots but. Patrick at that time, you know, looked like a model to slick back hair. Yeah. And he used to always come in with fly women all the time. That's very and true. And he always made true. sure me and Guru were straight too. He's like, yo, yo, her friends are coming too. And, you know, so we, we like, yo, we got to the coolest man. And, the you know, Patrick started with the club, the payday. That's how I started anyway. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. They would always yeah. move to a different location. You had to yep. mm-hmm. know the scene, you yep. know, where it moved to. Mm-hmm. And and he would be the one working the door, and he said he wanted to treat it like Studio Fifty Four, where it's like, no, you, you in, not you. you dress the part. It doesn't mean you're yeah. meant to be you're in. Getting in, yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah. it was an eclectic crowd and all hip hop, strictly hip hop. Yeah, yeah. So he comes that. Yeah, that's true. That's dope. Yeah. I saw P last year. We 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 we're still in touch all the time. So yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to bring up also is uh, uh, DJ Am. I think you know when when Am was kind of like at his at, at, at his apex at his at his heyday. You used to go and watch him spin a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm curious what your, you know, Am and I were, were, were close friends when he was alive too. And, and um, um, you know, I saw a lot of the ways that he changed the scene. Um, but for you being kind of his OG, you being from a previous generation from him, what was your read on him? What was your impression on him? Like, what were you thinking when you saw him spin? Um, well, for one, I met him when he was 14. Um, he oh, was on, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, he was, he was on tour with Alchemist, Scott Kahn. They were the hooligans. <laughs> That's right. Okay. They were, they were on tour with Cypress Hill and, and uh, House of Pain had just dropped Jump Around. So it was just, just, it had just become that biggest, biggest record. And mm. I went to the concert, met Alchemist, AM, and Scott. And we, we were, I had a big giant blunt. And I know we get me and Al, me and Alchemist always talk about this. And, and say, yo, you want to hit this? He's like, yo, that is the biggest blunt I ever smoked. And, and I smoked with him in AM. You know, obviously, these, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, you know how weed is. It's, it's never been a bad thing. And, uh, and so uh, we puffed, enjoy, enjoy watching the rest of the show. And then fast forward a few more years, you know, uh, AM, uh, uh, AM and I did Limp Biscuits. Playboy pajama party. Okay. This is when Limp Biscuit was was not to be fucked with 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 their popularity, and yeah. uh, Fred Fred Durst mm. hired me to be the uh, the DJ for the Playboy Mansion before mm. Serato and all this stuff. Mm. Actually, it was on March 9th, the first year of Biggie's passing. It was oh, wow. on March 9th, yeah, it, wow. it was the first year anniversary because I wore yeah. remember Biggie's shirt. And I, I have a mm-hmm. picture of me. Recipes headquarters. Uh, he was in the picture with me, but I remember me and AM. This is how we got close. He came in before while we're setting up. We were there early to make sure everything's working right. And uh, he goes, "Yo, man, you mind if I practice for a little while before you go on, so I can make sure I'm ready when when I come on after you?" And I'm like, "If you're a real DJ, you don't never need to be able to. I mean, need to practice the day of this, the day of your gig." And he said that resonated with him the rest of his life. <laughs> and we became just cool after that. And every time I came to LA, <clears throat> I'd call him. He take. He would always know the. Yo, Prince is gonna be in a private spot at the Roxy tonight. You wanna go? Hell yeah! <laughs> I gotta go to AA, so why don't you hold my car and just come pick me up from AA, and I'll he'll go to AA, and I'll come back and pick him up. He's like, yo, this is what I'm gonna play, and I'll be creating these things called mashups. And he, she, like, he's he's just, he was just so ahead, mm-hmm. you know, and just and really he was addicted to DJ, and you know, forget yeah. all the. You know, drug addiction, and everything else. He was addicted to DJing and making yeah. people feel good, man. So, yeah. And then it, it was fucked up because right when we were about to do the launch of our sneakers, he's the one that that talked me into doing it. And they were called oh, yeah. rivals. I did the Air Force One, and he did the dunk. And we 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 went out to eat with Eclipse, DJ Finesse, AM. <laughs> Um, somebody else, we all sat together and he goes, well, here's how I'm going to do my shoe. And I was like, well, I've never created a shoe. He said, nah, it's going to be easy. It's going to be fun because Nike gave us the materials to make it. It was like maybe four or five things and they were like, mm-hmm. you got to make the shoe out of these things. Then for um, uh, AM, same thing with the dunk. Here are your materials. Make it however you want, but out of these materials. He took his shoe off at the dinner table and said, I'm going to put the platter dots from the turntable around the edges Ooh, you know, because he's a sneaker junkie. You know, he, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. His yes. sneaker game was nuts. I'm, I've never done one. He, so for him, I'm like, damn, man, I got to figure out how to make mine fly. <laughs> we finally did it, and Nike approved it. 
he was like, yo, ain't you excited? We're going to be doing launch party. We're going to be DJing together. I'm like, hell yeah. And then all of a sudden I get a call that, that, uh, they passed the mm-hmm. day, the day we were supposed to go to, to Vegas for, we're doing two launch, three launches. The first launch, he missed the flight and they went to go check on him and see why he missed the flight. And that's when they found him passed away. Oh shit. So Crazy. I still did the promo, but it yeah. sucked because it was like, damn, we both, it was called Rivals. He represented yeah. West, I represented the East. Right. Crazy That's shit. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, so mm. it, it was a definitely a, a, a hurtful loss for many people, especially if you knew him, like the way you know him and I know him. Like we know him, know him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I knew about his crack addiction. We, me and him have had talks. Yeah. yeah, I told him about the you know things I used to do in the past he, that he couldn't believe, and I yeah. was I was uh, comfortable telling him about it so that he can know yeah. we've all been through 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 roads, man. But you you know I'm so proud. He he told me about the plane crash, yo. Like, oh, like what it was like. I didn't even want. I was just like, yo, I know that must have been crazy. He goes, yo, let me tell you what happened. And I, you know, you would think he wouldn't even want to talk about that. Or man, it it haunts me. He told it like if it was. Him telling a, a a joke to somebody, like, let me tell you mm. a joke, or something he heard that he told right. him that relaxing, and then from there he was like, "Yo, always fly commercial, don't go on private planes." I'm like, "I've never been on a PJ anyway in my career." But he told me that, man. I mean, we we've had some crazy talks, you know what I'm saying? But salute to him. He's always super open like that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I was I like I was sad. I knew him when he was slim. Everything. Yep. Um. Actually, it's, you know, speaking of people that we that we that we miss, Armand's new guru, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Armand. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. yeah. Me, me and Guru had a. What's crazy is, uh, me and Guru had a a a, 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 a a We kind of first time I ever built with him. We he was doing a show, the Jasmine Test show in Istanbul. Wow. <laughs> and I was I was DJing. And he was with like Nadia Davenport, Nadia Davenport from you know, from brand, brand new heavy, wow. and um, and um, I, I, a bunch of other heads. Of course, he had the whole thing, but I didn't know everybody. We had an amazing dinner together, and so it's so. Here's the thing: it's interesting story. It's a quick story. This is your interview, but this is kind of funny. But the right, so we're all connected, man. Yeah, yeah. So, but so Guru, I was kind of like the first time I was building with him, and you know, just kind of chopping it up and. I come to realize what an immense gentleman he is. Like his manners, I've never met anybody with his manners in my life. Right. Like he is like anybody he when when I'm talking with him and some of his people, whoever like a crew of his people came in, I had to meet everybody. He introduced every single person to me. Yep. He's like, no, you, this is, this is Oman, biggest DJ in the world. I mean, you know how he is. Just, yeah, I'm just yeah, like, yeah. I'm not the biggest DJ in the world, but thank you. And so <laughs> he's just like, yeah. And yeah. it's just, but he, but the thing is, so at that particular time frame in my life, you know, I was, I have a hip hop soul and kind of like, I, I ended up in house music, right? But I always kind of wanted to be a you or a Timbaland or a Pharrell. Basically, that's the truth. So, but I know I just I wasn't good at it, so I ended up in house music. Dude, he, your mixes, so for, I, I, we to have an Armin Van Helden mix of anything, <laughs> like I have a folder because you know, you know, I call Riz, yo, you got, you got do you have any Armin Van Helden stuff I ain't gotten? We'll run through the <laughs> folder and stuff because it, it be it a remix or just one of your own releases, yeah. it's like you always it, to me, you approach it like a hip hop producer. 
I try, yeah. For sure. Where For sure. We know if your name's on it, it's yeah. going to be good already. That was one thing I always wanted to build with my career as well. Is oh, it, I wanted to build my career like a Def Jam record. Oh, it's Def Jam. Just buy it. It's yeah. going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Premier yeah, did yeah, it. It's dope. Yeah. Marley Mall yeah. did it. dope. Armin Van Helden, anything that had your name or a remix, it yeah. was like, it's going to be dope. Like, you're, yeah, you're yeah. guaranteed to, we trust <laughs> what you're going to bring to it once you, once okay. you going in and get down for real. Cool. Thank you, man. I appreciate on here. Well, thank you, man. I mean, the same goes for you. My goodness. I mean, forget about it. But back to the, the guru thing. Um, so what it was, it's like, so hip hop culture in itself had a certain attitude that you carried with yourself mm-hmm. on the nineties. Let's just say, which I'm talking, this kind of went down the nineties or, uh, or very late nineties, but still all through the nineties, I fell into a genre of music that was associated with gay culture. I was never in that pocket. So, I always felt like somewhat alienated. Like I'm like, I'm a hip hop guy, ended up in house music, but all my hip hop friends, they're like, why you mess with that gay music? You know how right, it was right, back right, then. You know right. how it was back then. That was the yeah. truth. Mm-hmm. So that was I the go, stigma. Well, yeah. So exactly. Yeah. And so it was like, yeah, it wasn't the truth. It was yeah, exactly. But I'm just saying, so, but Guru showed me something from a hip hop perspective that you didn't, I had kind of chip on my shoulder. Cause I was like, so when I dealt with house people, I was like still trying to stay hip hop and make sure I represented hip hop in all of house culture at all times. Right. And, but Guru was like, it ain't hip hop or house. Just be a good person, be a gentleman. And he changed me in that moment. I'll never forget my life because from that point on, like when people came up to me, said something to me, I, and, and like, let's, let's just say they were from my genre, from house music. And I never mm-hmm. really like respected him. Guru respected everybody. He didn't care if he just met you in one second. He exactly. was just, Astound- I've never met a person like that in my life. And I was just, I just yeah, thought man. it'd be cool to mention from that. from a different cloth, though. He I mean, changed I, me. You know, he changed me. Yeah, yeah, we're he, changed. he wanted me to be a better person with my, the way I uh, met, met people or had acquaintances and whatnot. That's so right. it's just like, yeah, yeah we're a rare wonderful, breed, wonderful man. Person. We're a rare breed. Yeah. And I'm yeah. glad we all exist, all of us, doing what yeah. we do. Even when I did a gig with, with A-Track recently, mm-hmm. um, year, and, you know, two different, it was a blend of crowds, but... It, it didn't matter what, where you went with it. It was totally with it because we know how to provide the the, the, the proper energy for them. Same thing with with hip hop and um, and I know you you and I are older. Uh, are you in your, you you at fifty yet? Fifty. Yeah, I'm fifty four. There we go. Think about <laughs> it. We didn't have scratching and cutting and mixing as youngsters. No. You know what I'm saying? And all no. that working faders. No. We just had. Like I said, you had the Eagles, you had the Jackson Five, yeah, you had yeah. Marvin Gaye, Steely, Steely Dan, yeah, Steely Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all. So it's all. It was all at that same time. So we had nothing else to reference. Yeah. So and rock. Yeah, I remember when Soul Train had uh, David Bowie and he did Fame. It's like yeah, yeah Fame. Oh, I love Bowie's that. On yeah. Soul Train. Yeah. <laughs> and the Elton John's on Soul Train because yeah. we only expect black brothers. people only. Doobie Brothers, yeah, Doobie average brothers. white band, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and 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 that also said was you know, and again that's what we had. Yeah. The Doobie Brothers on what's happening? Yeah, and they you know that, but they put them, they incorporated them, they yeah. incorporated the, the Doobies and he dropped the tape the and got caught bootlegging. Yeah, yeah. So re- <laughs> rerun goes to record the concert, the Doobie yep. concert. So they're like in the episode. It's all awesome. that's it. Wow. So, <laughs> great, great episode, it was a two part yeah. episode too. Yeah, well, <laughs> we were like, oh <laughs> no, <laughs> rerun's in <laughs> trouble. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, man. Uh, so I, I got a quickie question that got, it's a little extensive, but it's something it's that I, I ran it by, we and HR talked about it, but, um, so, um, let me just, I'm going to take a look at it real quick, real quick. But I, I thought this was, you know, I just noticed that you have mass appeal. Uh, uh, oh, back there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, All right. So, uh, so I, come clean. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, look, uh, uh, this, 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 this is this is pretty it, special. See, I can just yeah. DJ shit. You could just help out a stick of it. And that was wrong. Oh, that's a test pressing. Test oh, pressing. So, but. Um, above your head before you ask the question. What's the one right uh, there? KRS. Okay, the right. white one, the white one. Oh, uh, oh, Gas dude. Real hip hop. Uh, oh, mine's black. Yeah, see, mine's black with the I, uh, same yeah, sticker. I had, I had the black yeah. one too. That's funny. Yeah, mine's black with the same sticker. Uh, well, I got and the man. white one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that Pete Rock but, um, remix was crazy too on that on that twelve inch. By the way. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah shout to Pete. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I was gonna what I was gonna tell you was not, well, ask you was um. Uh, let me just take a look again. Da, 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 da. Okay. Um, yeah. So kind of a thing that I mentioned to a track, like in sampling in general, right? So mm-hmm. sampling is something that, you know, you've done it obviously even before I was doing it, but I, I, now that I've been doing it for so long and you have as well, I actually equate it to martial arts because it's like, in a sense, it's like a skill. So mm-hmm. the longer you do it in a sense, you the better you get at it. It's like a sport. Like, That's so true. like if somebody gives somebody like a kid, a sampler right now, his first sample, you know, it's going to be, he's going to loop something. It's going to, it's going to be probably horrendous, but as you, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Right. So one of my things was modern hip hop now. Right. And so what, what it is, is basically like, is it, do you think the question is, do you think because the modern generation is too lazy and, and they don't want to put the time in to understand how to sample correctly? Is that why most of modern hip hop, is without is sample free these days is, is what, what's your take on that it could come from a different a few different angles because one they didn't grow up on that sound so uh the sound that they feel like works and like you said they don't know how to do it no one's showing them how to do it so yeah. the appreciation's not there because got no it, one's really putting them on it. because i hate when when people say you know I, I, I'm younger, so I don't know that that world. You're never too late to know because if that was the case, why do yeah. we like Curtis Mayfield, who's probably was you know in his 30s, going into his 40s when I was a teenager, or no, not a teenager, not when even a teen yet. But I'm not yeah. like oh, I don't like that because that's that's not kiddie music, you know. Yeah. It, it I can relate to it because it was yeah. being put on to me about around who I was around. Not to say that these these kids' parents weren't brought up in the 90s era and and stuff like that, but no one, I don't think it's being taught to them the same way. And mm. MCA made a good point. He just did no jumper with the Adam 22. And mm. he was just saying that he thinks usually it's the other way around where they're and, and not, not all, but he says some of them are more almost like against the, the older generation because for one, they, they, they don't know how to do it that way. And number mm. two, he said, if I'm from, we're from the same block, I'm older than you, but I've been around here before you were a baby, and now you're on the block selling your product. Don't be mad because my product still moves to the the, the clientele I have. My clientele still likes it the way I boom bap it, so I still make it that way. If I couldn't sell it, not even one copy, or or, or I lost interest in that style, I'll leave it alone. I still like it, just as a fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I still 
I always take myself out of the equation of being me and go, damn, what I still want to get that versus the newest stuff. The newest stuff is just a whole different. And, and I embrace some of it. You know, say I love Roddy Rich. Um, I, I, I like Dub Baby and Lil Baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, there's just certain artists I like. I like Pop Smoke. You know, God bless them. But oh, I don't yeah. want. But I don't need. I won't make that style because I don't have to. Because my clientele still likes the way I cook. Cook my shit. So, yeah. um, and that's what I was saying. When Eight said that on on this new interview he just dropped, he said, you know, it's nothing wrong with us still selling our product to the audience to the clientele we have. Don't don't be like, oh y'all, oh y'all need to stop and retire. No, we might get yours and mine, but I'm not changing the fact that the people that still want it from me, yeah, are, are, I'm not going to serve them no more. I'm gonna keep making it for them. That's why when we did Gangstar, I said we'll be fine because after all these years of not being out, the people that that are diehard fans are gonna be like, oh, I'm checking this out. They're not gonna be like, let's wait to hear it to make sure it sounds good first. <laughs> You know, because I would never, I, and I always want the trust of my production and what I do to always remain just like a, a classic restaurant. There's yeah. the cat's yeah, deli. Look at it, yeah. I'm a cat's yeah. deli. That deli's still yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and there's always going to be, there's always someone that wants the Reuben and that wants the, yeah, right. yeah. and yeah, the pastrami. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. the pastrami. You, <laughs> you think it'll come back around again? Basically, like, it never left because like, like, there's still nine, producers nine, that do it. 95, yeah. but I mean, when, in, a, in a sense, you think like 95 will be a, like the, 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 the sound of the next wave and like everybody, every 18-year-old rapper wants to sound like the beats from 95. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, do, do you think that's going to come around again? Or that's or? already coming around, yeah. And, it's already and started. I say this because okay. I'm getting, I can't mention certain things, but I'm already getting calls where they're like, yo, do it the way you do it. Right. That's what I liked about Ferg. Ferg didn't have a record like like our streets mm-hmm. on, on payday. Um, mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, when I saw him and he said, he, yeah, let's do it. First thing he said to me was, don't do, um, you know, what I've done with all my, my hits. Do it the, the preen way and I'm going to run your style. To, he's, yeah. I want to show that, I, that I'm versatile with my with my my pen and how I flow. I was like, OK, cool. And he did it just real quick. I watched him write it and just right there and knock it out. And, and that, that record did good for us. We moved a, a lot of, we moved a lot of 12 inch vinyl of that. That thing And even, you know what I'm saying? Uh, even the views are high on that. And that's totally the style of what I do. And he, and, and he, he, he had fun with it. But again, he's, he's from the era of when his father who had, you know, the fur clothing, and uh, you know, and all of that, he's been around that music, which is why it's it's. But he's like still doing the newer styles of what's what's popular to the to the youth, but he still has not won't abandon what what he was raised on, you know. And some people do it because they want to keep up with it to be relevant. I don't I don't worry about that. I just I just know my radio show is dedicated to that um, live from headquarters every yeah. Tuesday uh, that we do on Shade Forty Five. On Sirius XM is me breaking all new shit that's just dropped, and and everything's available. When I send my my playlist out, you ain't gotta look it up and go, damn, I can't find any of this. Everything's available and everything's new that's at the same good. time of everything on the radio. Yeah.
Shout out to Ferg. That's definitely a close friend of the of the whole crew here. Oh yeah, great dude, man. His whole and uh, shout, shout to his his uncle. Uh, don't say it. Uh, T nice and uh, rest Ferg. father who's a who's a big deal, man. Uh, yeah, his his dad designed the bad boy logo. And, and D Ferg, man, Ferg. Shout yeah. Um, I was thinking that maybe uh, we we're gonna we could wrap up in a couple of minutes. I would love to fan out with a couple of final questions. Just me geeking out on some of my favorite premiere shit. All good. All right, thank you, Preem. One of my favorite, uh, um, one of my favorite productions of yours was the remix that you did for Janet Jackson. And that was and it was called um, the one. Um, huh? The the uh, together again. Together again. Right. Just the bass remix. Right. Right. I have a question about that because of the way it was <laughs> called just the bass. Because I, I had a I have a guess about that track and I want to see if I guessed it right. Okay. By any chance, when you made that remix, was it a thing where you had other elements of music and then you ended up muting it and only keeping the drums and the bass? Mm-hmm. If you listen to the, 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 the remix with all the music, you can still hear that boom, boom. Yeah. The boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it, it's just take the sample out. You just, right. Yeah. Okay. It's funny because Armand and I had a similar thing. Our track, Big Bad Wolf, originally had a sample in it. And, uh, then, and then Armand muted the sample. We only kept the, the, the bass line and the drums. And that was the final version that came out. And yeah. I always wondered that about your Janet Jackson. And it popped off. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that was my second time doing it. I did it with D'Angelo first on uh, Lady Remix. Oh, okay. And I did adjust the bass. I mean, ju- just just the beat. Uh, and and that's the one that ended up being the video. Brown, brown, brown. With with AZ or who was on it? Yeah, with AZ with, rapping. With AZ. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. And. Uh, um, because uh, I have two versions. I have a version that I did with this guy named Absolute, who was uh, one of the guys that rapped on. Uh, he's from the Bronx, from 183rd. And, uh, okay. Uh, he, he, I was kind of at the time. I was kind of mentoring him because I liked the way his voice sounded when he rhymed, and, and I never heard him rap. And he rapped on uh, "Sacrifice" on on on, uh, on, on the, Group Home, right? Yeah, okay, he's a part, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's him yeah. rapping first. And so, I, so when D'Angelo asked me to remix it. He did a dope brown to to uh, to the song, and and they were like, we don't want to use him because he's your, uh, you know, if even if he's your artist, mm-hmm. so to speak. Az is a label made of D'Angelo and Doa Dies coming out, and right, you know, we wanted to coincide, and I was like, all right, cool, mm-hmm. you know, I understand the politics of that, so we ran with the Az version, and you know, then. When I did Janet, I was like, yo, I'm going to start doing that. I always do a regular version and then do just the beat. But since that one had, a, had the bass on, I said, I'll call yeah, it the bass. The bass. Used that one at um, on American Music Awards. She opened up with, to my version. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, it's on it's on uh, YouTube and all of that. She opened I got to check that. I was supposed to do the show with her, and she told me, uh, um, we can't go live. It's going to be like, you know... Just, with the playback. Yeah, it's playback. Right, yeah, and I was like, right. damn, my first time on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to be on the turntable, but I wanted to go live. Man. Yeah. I can't do it. And I was like, fuck. And I didn't do it. That's, that's my mother, awesome. my mother, God bless her soul. She's like, "How are you gonna say you're not doing Janet Jackson on the man?" I wish I did it. I wish I did it. Yeah. Salute to Janet, man. She's yeah. Oh man, one of the most iconic, incredibly ill 
artists ever in the, in Amazing. the history of music, man. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, all right, uh, another another little another question. I mean, I would be I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. I don't know if you realize, Prem. I hope you know that to the scratch DJ community, to the people that sort of I came up with, and you mentioned earlier that you've never really battled, and there's a lot of you know turntablists that do the crazy fast flares and crabs and shit. But we all idolize your scratches because your cuts are, are so funky and your cuts sound like they're part of the music. I always mm-hmm. felt like you, you're the best for a, like a scratch hook because it never sounded like a solo. and never sounded um, like you were showing off. It always just felt like it was part of, of right. the beat. Um, so I was, I don't know if you had any, I mean, I don't even really have a specific question. I wanted to just give you your flowers <laughs> as the DJ that has the most the funkiest cuts. It's for the DJ. Everything is for the DJ when I do that. Yeah. And I but just it's, like, it's also, it's your, it's your timing though. Like yes, natural, timing. your natural yes. rhythm is, yes. is not normal. Like your, your pocket, you're like, you're, your pocket. you would be like a pocket drummer if you were a drummer. Well, see, like, I, mean, I wish I could go, I wish I could do that. And I'm not good with my left. You saw, you know, I was doing the crossover on the left turntable because everybody's like, man, why don't you put it back to when you had two turntables on the right and on the on side? Yeah. I said, I can still do that, but what, you know what? You know what stopped me from doing that? Because every time we'd have a gig, if I was headlining, mm-hmm. they're like, well, we're going to have to stop the music, break it down, put it back your way. And I'm like, I don't want the music to stop and transition. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just, just leave it up and I'll do it that way. And that's, yeah. Yeah, I'll just start crossing over. And yeah. that's really where it came from because I don't want to stop in the middle of a crowd where now we got to stop. The music stops. There's nothing playing. And now we're moving things. Right. And now it's not yeah. set the exact way I had it a sound check. Cause I like going to yeah. sound check all the time. Make sure it's taped down. Right. Let me see the table, the, the height of like everything has yeah. to be right before yeah. I go on because I know my energy once, once, is go time and I want to give them what they pay for. So Nothing. I'm man, I gotta be there. So I didn't want them to be like, and sometimes they're like, Oh, well that's your set. No one's touching it. They're going to be on that set over there. Okay, cool. But other right. than that, nah, I got it. Just and even battle style was never my style. It's got right. battle style. Now it has yeah. to, I'm comfortable yeah. that way. Now the regular way, only when I lay scratches in the other room just to lay cuts, you know, to do scratch hooks and stuff. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be like a lead guitarist when you give him his solo <laughs> and he plays and, and it's always everybody's air guitar in that solo. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how I wanted it to be with scratching the hook where you move your hand. Same thing with videos when people have me in it. I'm like, yo, you have to edit if you're going to, I don't care where you put me, but make sure I am moving the exact same way as yeah. the record because I'm going to do it exactly like the record. And because sometimes yeah. they'll show me doing this and it's not even a scratch going on. <laughs> yeah. Because no, I, mean, I don't watch videos. You know? some, some, sometimes I'll say that like the best scratch parts on records, you got to be able to sing them. Like a fan is going to be able right. to sing, sing it back. And, you know, right. And then the way that you would always have the funk in it, I could yeah. I could scratch any of yours so like I mean I could I could verbalize I could I could beatbox or sing right, your scratch solo right, right that's yeah. like I do the tribute to every in my gigs I always do uh the Eric B for president I do the uh, the the um the end of the scratch I paid in full and I yeah. and I, salute, I salute Eric B yeah. and I'm doing exactly this stuff you know even the, this yeah. this the bigger this it to the very, same thing same, yeah. same all thing. right so. And the last thing I wanted to bring up, because uh, this is something I've I've heard you say. What's up? 
That's all you guys want more? <laughs> uh, we can keep going. We can keep going. <laughs> um, but this the last thing that I, can, that, that, I, that I wanted to make sure I say, because I mentioned this to Armand earlier and we were just right. bugging out at this when we were talking, is I've heard you say, Preem, that um, most of the tracks that you've made uh, for, for rappers, you've made them on the spot at the studio for them that you don't write like you you don't uh you don't right like they don't show up and listen to 20 beats from you they no. might I, I feel like i've heard you say something like you know maybe uh, jay-z or whoever would like tell you the verse so you know the cadence and the tempo of it and you would say mm-hmm. come back in a couple hours and you would find something to chop yeah. based on right 100 that's, that's I just wanted to have that in our interview because I want everybody to hear this because I don't, yeah. Yeah. I don't, That's why it's different from me because I Guru always called me. He said, "Man, you're a beat tailor." Because he said it's like if somebody walks a in. A beat tailor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says like if somebody comes in <laughs> heavy, heavyweight, and you want them to do this suit, I'll be like, "Yo, don't put him in that suit. I put him in this suit, and then this person put him in that suit." He says like I know how to tailor it. To you, because I'm thinking this sounds good to your voice. I'm into the voice uh, a lot. That's why mostly the yeah, voice is one of my favorite songs because Guru was like, I never heard his voice like that before. Like as a for an MC, I was like, mm-hmm. voice is different. I didn't even know yeah. he was from Boston. I just said, you yeah. sound so different. And right. when we met, and it was like, yo, right. I want to make this beat. And the first beat I gave him was Manifest. And he was like, yo, that's it. Yeah. I mean, and by the way, you know, Group Home. With, I think the Group Home album is one of the greatest hip hop albums ever. And it, as a body of work, it's incredible. And, and, you know, sometimes I'll hear some of the heads kind of debate and, and you know, people sometimes criticize, sometimes people criticize Dap and Malachi. Right. For their raps being pretty simple, but I always felt like you, it had to be something about their voice because they have very unique voices, both yeah. of them, especially it that, Dap. It was that and we were all, we're still family. And uh, if they're coming under our umbrella, we making sure we make bangers with them too because they're part of yeah. our crew. Wu Tang was spawning off Ghost and You God and 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 Deck and and Ray and not to mention Killer Army and <laughs> yeah exactly Killer Priest Sons of Man Killer Priest yeah you know exactly. so um so if you're coming out of our stable we, they gotta have jams too and we, we perfected it with what the, the best we could and I and I, I felt like every track matched what they what they sounded like. I, th- yeah. I think I'm good at matching the ear of sound to the artist. You know, that's I feel like even when they disagree sure. on certain beats, I'm just like, mm, I think that's the one, man. <laughs> he never gave me that problem. Jay-Z never gave me. I never made a beat with Jay. He's like, nah, 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 nah. Mm. Big, same thing. Not, y- y- yep, yep. Uh, Nas, yep, yep. You know, and I still have that same excitement when I go in and make a joint. It's still fun to go in and make another joint. It's interesting thinking about it that way, though, because most people listen to the record looking for a sample, and and then a lot of producers will stay sort of, they'll stay at the mercy of the sample. They'll keep the sample as a loop. They'll keep it the way it was on the record because they're listening to the record almost too much. And I feel mm-hmm. like the way that you say you do it, you've got an idea in your head of some sort of maybe a cadence or some sort of chop that you are, you already have it in your head. So where you drop, where you're dropping the needle is just to match something that's in your head. Right. Right. So you're not looping the record. You, you got something. DJ, he's a DJ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. It's all DJ mentality for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember is, when I, I remember when I, when I heard this, the, the sample from um, can't stop the profit. Mm-hmm. Like at yeah. the, 
end of a of of a record, like right before the fade out. And I was like, yeah. how did he think of going there? But it just seemed you probably just Jay Wood did um Jay Wood did the same thing to the almost with good with Guru. He always gives me a list of the entire album in no order and little notes of what he wants it to be about. That's it. Wow. And and he always says, no matter how many albums we do, let's always make sure we do one for chicks. And let's always make sure we do what he calls rhyming joints, which yeah. is where it's just bragging about how nice you can rap. Mm. So we always have done that. You know, my season is just a, bra- a rhyming joint. Yeah. Acid Pills a rhyming joint. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, Dwick, rhyming joint, you, you know, uh, scientific uh, madness, like those kinds of clip rhyming joint. Yeah. You know, everything is just him bragging about. I, I rap nice. We're, we're, we're doper than you. We're, we're ill. Yeah. But then we'll have one for chicks. We always do X girl. We do. She knows what she wants. We do love sick. Mm. You know, <clears throat> we do. Um, and then he, he, then the rest of them, he always, and he says, you gotta have a story, at least one story about something that happened that people could relate to in the story. The rest of it is just filling in his his titles and making the music match the titles. But say like with a J. Rue, already he told me he wanted to do the one about profit. So again, if you describe it for me, I mm. think I can come up with the theme music and hit it the first time. Every wow. time. But not it doesn't, you know, there's certain times like, nah, that's not it. Do another one. If it takes me more than three times, I'm we're done with it. The, you know, either we come back to it at the end of the album or something, but I rarely have that problem. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Rarely. That's awesome. Maybe three to, yeah. If, if this is not the first time, hitting it the second time, I usually get it. And it's very rare. If I, Like I said, if it's three times, I'm like, yo, man, I ain't meant to do this one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah man, just at the end of the, or, or even the sample for Superstar, I remember hearing that and being like, how did you go from that to this? But DJ makes, shit, man. Yeah. yeah. For me, yeah. I, I don't know if I, how it is how other people think, but for one, I'm always got my hand on it. While I got, the, I, I, if I have the drums going first and yeah. the tempo that I kind of want to be at, yeah. and I already knew this around the time the, the the speed it should be to get a a record that's that'll be playable for DJs to spin. Mm-hmm. That comes for into it too, and mm-hmm. then you could just kind of oh. And then you put it in the machine, start saying, let me interpret it. But the whole way it's playing is from me taking parts. And then when you hear the brown, brown, you're just like, damn, how can I make that work? Because that uh-huh. sounds so Let me throw it in there. And then I started just doing it until it just sounded like it was right. And then you do a test recording of it in the, in the MP and uh-huh. to get it perfected. And then you're like, that's the track. So I, same approach to this very day. Yeah, please don't change it. <laughs> no, never, yeah, never. exactly. exactly. But that's yeah. the only way I know. So even if it's the monotonous to other people, where they're like, "Man, he always does the same." I don't give a fuck. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Always. It's like, hey, you know, it it's like you said. Look this way. And, uh, you know, I lived in Italy for a time, and when you do Italy, they don't ever change the plates. Mm, like right. when they make a plate and it's perfected, it's for life. Like that, yeah, they, they, don't, they don't bring the new specials on no, the menu. No, 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 they like this is perfect, you're gonna enjoy it. That's all you yeah. gotta know. <laughs> yeah. right. I like what Abe yeah. was saying about mm-hmm. the younger generation. We embrace everything they do. Some yeah. of it I like, some of it I don't like, and some of it we don't like from our era. 
You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, speaking of what you were talking about, out of here, back uh, the original version of out of here, he yeah. names all the groups. It was the way I'm going, Chris. Them two, yeah, out of here. I was like, damn. Rest in peace, Willie D. That used to be with BDP, not the Willie D from the Ghetto Boys. Salute to him as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was only going, Chris, nah, take the names. (laughs) I'm really hurt if you mention all those. He was mentioning everybody. Wow. He was like, all right, Will, Will, Will is like, yo. Nah, nah, that, that'd be easy. So now we just did material things and stuff like that and Range Rover okay. out of here. <clears throat> yeah, know. that's right. Yeah, but the yeah. original, he was naming mad people that you would have been like, no, man, everybody's going to hate us. Uh, I mean, I didn't say it, but it still, it was just the fact that this was going to be the first, and that was the first beat I made for him on Boom Bap. Yeah. That, he was like, yo, we're going with this right now. <laughs> and, the, and and the expression boom bap comes from that album title, right? Yeah, I mean, I I never heard of it, but but uh, right. he he called it that. I'm like, yo, and then we would start. We was like, yo, let's do Return of the Boom Bip. <laughs> we did like three beats, and and I haven't seen. I saw him one time, probably uh, in the last ten years since then. But uh, we even did little skits and everything where where we would call oh, yeah. Q-Tip and have Q-Tip on the phone going about like, what are we going to name it? And Q-Tip will be on the phone while we're talking. He'll go, yo, call it Return of the Boom Bip. He'll be, he'll be like, you know, like, but boom, but Bip. <laughs> that would be the way to start the whole album. Right. We can't still do that. Yeah. But, uh, and, and KRS came with a tape recorder, the old style ones used to put by the, by the speaker so you can record shit. <laughs> yeah. Came with a tape recorder like that saying, yo, we're going to do it all on this tape recorder, these skits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. That's fine. <laughs> Shout out to KRS. Yeah. Master. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. Stories for days. Shout out to you, Prem. Thank you for doing this. Dude, definitely, so man. Yeah. So awesome. Anytime, anytime. Well, uh, it's good. It was a good, good talk with you fellas. And uh Likewise. I know Sammy can't be seen, but I, we see Sammy. We see Sammy. <laughs> what up, bro? <laughs> <clears throat> and and everything that there's a lot of people have been asking like what, what's up with certain projects. I had told shout to Ian Schwartzman, shout to Keeg, shout to everybody. Um, one of the things that I that I that my our plan was before we co- we even knew COVID was going to shut things down mm-hmm. was all my side projects. <clears throat> I don't even call them side projects, but my 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 year round label stuff. You know, people always even comment when are you gonna drop NYGs? When are you gonna drop? Re release collection with Bumpy Knuckles because it's not mm-hmm. on, on iTunes anymore because right. it, because now we own it. So now we were like, yo, since we own it, let's re release it and put five new songs that we had started working on that that didn't make that that weren't on anything and put those on the album as bonuses. So not only the people that never heard it or got it can get it from streaming and everything, they'll also get five new songs. And then NYG's, you know, same thing. We shot the Panchi, shot Bino. That's a project of mine that that, that came through Guru first. Uh, it, they were called Operation Ratification on mm-hmm. Ill Kid Records, and then wow. and then uh, he wanted help with getting them to the, the next point. And I said I'll do it because we were friends from living in their neighborhood, you know. So mm-hmm. when it came down to that, the first album came out in 2008 was more of a compilation that Panch actually put together, and I just added my songs to it. But I was on tour for an extensive amount of time. And he arranged it, him, him and King of Chill. 
to get it all done. And then I just mixed it from there and got the songs ready to roll. And then uh, we always talked about doing a, an official all premiere album, just like I've done with all the other artists. And mm. it was always something that would get in the way of getting it complete, completed. And I would get all the backlash from everybody. Ah, and you're taking forever. You're taking forever. And I said this year after dropping Gangstar, everything that's should that, that that's meant to come out for 2020 is coming out. And the, the other projects that are on the menu as well. I want it all out. So I'm just in a real excited, just, focus mode to get so many different things out albums uh, a a lot of good stuff this year i'm like really excited even with all the setbacks and not being able to meet up with everybody Mm -hmm. i feel like you feel like you want to release them immediately now or wait till the clubs are open because that's like now now okay i got yeah cool cool yeah Yeah. Yeah. i feel like for us we should all have been recording shit during this time. Like we have, oh, yeah, we have. <laughs> yeah. <sure>. Like you <laughs> gotta be ready to pull the trigger with this music. We have no yeah. excuse to be waiting for yeah, anything. Yeah. This is okay. I mean, this spread up a lot of artists that, <clears throat> that I won't even mention that on on a very high scale that I've been in communication with that are doing a lot of stuff now because even they can't tour or do this that and the third. So everybody's like, "Yo, let's record." Yeah, yeah. good time, man. It is good time. Well, <laughs> do we all do dun, 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 good just like a uh, bounce rock skate do we all do come on come on and get, and get down. like do we all start from feel the body do, you know what i mean like yeah. there's those little parts that we all like rock the bells i'm sure you got a rock the bells version of yeah. rock the bell to rock them uh-huh. right uh-huh. And, you know, like, like there's just certain records. I remember when uh, Mr. Walt and uh, Evil D shot to the beat miners. Mm. I was at their house one day, and I was like, "Yo, they had just got Serato, and mm-hmm. and uh, they were dumping all their vinyl versions of the songs because mm-hmm. they had already put them on CDs. So when he did Bounce Rock Skate, he did, he did <laughs> with Bounce Rock Skate. He did, their ver- their vinyl version was so worn in, <laughs> and they said. <laughs> Come on, come on, and down. <laughs> it <was> just down. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I'm sure they're not the only person that has a copy like that. But that's how it sounds. Mm. And down, like I mean, that's how much we have rubbed that part of the record in. Yeah, that get down part. So you know, rock the bell same way. Cock the bell, the bells, the bells. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right, Preem. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Yeah, thank you, man. thank you, man. It's good to talk awesome. to DJs. Great. And yeah. even Jimmy's a DJ. Hey, yeah. you know yeah. it. Yeah, he knows yeah. how to turn on the power switch. <laughs> well, right. thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Yeah, you, for sure. You know how man, we do. Sure. Yeah, sure. All right, thank you, Preem. Cool, cool. Hey, thank cool. you, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>